Well, Merry Christmas. My name is Brian. I'm the pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church, and it's wonderful to see uh, each and every one of you here. I know we've got a number of guests with us today, and so if you've traveled uh, from afar, we welcome you in Christ's name. It's good to have each and every one of you here. Uh, I'm going to invite us to bow our heads, have a word of prayer as we prepare our hearts uh, to hear God's word uh, this afternoon. God, we thank you uh, for this day. We thank you for this gathering of your people. God, we need some good news. Uh, we need your light and your love to come to speak to us, to touch us, to penetrate those dark places in our hearts, in our lives, in our communities, in our families, and in the world. Come, O oh come, Emmanuel. And God, as we prepare to hear your word um, this afternoon, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I grew up in simpler times. I know when people gather together for Christmas these days, uh, things are a lot different uh, than when I was growing up. And I grew up in uh, southern Minnesota. And uh, when all the extended family, when the relatives would all gather together, uh, we would bake cookies and we would play card games. And uh, because it was Minnesota, we usually would go outside and make a snow fort and uh, have snowball fights and all that good stuff. And we just sat around and, and we enjoyed one another's company and we played games together. And sometimes we would play games indoors and sometimes we played games outdoors. And uh, one of the games that I remember that we played all the time with the cousins uh, was hide and go seek. And uh, if you've ever played hide and go seek, it's a very simple game, of course. One person is it, and uh, everybody else has to go hide, right? And so uh, and they have to find a, a super secret hiding place. Uh, well, the person who is it counts uh, to, I don't know, 20 or something like that. And so it was just a, you know, a very simple game. If you've played this before, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Ready or not, here I come. And when you yelled, ready or not, here I come, it didn't matter if you were still standing in the hallway. It didn't matter if you were out in an open field. It didn't matter if you had already found your super secret hiding place. I'm coming to find you. And when I find you, I need to tag you or touch you before you race back to home base. Uh, and if I touch you, of course, then you are it. And it's this whole idea of ready or not, here I come. In many ways, that is the story of Christmas. God looks at God's people and says, ready or not, here I come. And the theological idea or concept for ready or not, here I come, it's called the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God, it really just means that God's the boss. And when God makes a decision to do what God's going to do, God's just going to do regardless of whether you're ready or not, whether you're prepared or not, whether you care or not, whether you believe or not. Ready or not, God's going to come and rescue the world. And so this morning or this afternoon, we are going to talk a little bit about this idea of God. Ready or not, here I come. 
And I know many of us, um, we, this is what we're expecting, right? Bethlehem, Jesus, and everything is so beautiful in the crash set. But we're not going to get there just yet. We're going to start with an empty manger. Because about 2,000 years before this happened, the manger was empty. And God's people were waiting for God to show up. And God already had a plan to come and rescue his people. And so God came to this random, obscure uh, shepherd out in the middle of the wilderness, a guy by the name of Abraham. And he said, Abraham, I have a promise for you. I am going to make your name great. And Abraham and his wife, uh, Sarah, were like, I doubt it. Now, how many of you have ever heard of Abraham? Quite a few of you, right? Think about that. 4,000 years later, God made Abraham's name great. Here we are. And most of you know the name of Abraham, promise kept by God. God said, not only am I going to make your name great, but I am going to make you a great nation. And Abraham said, I don't think you can do that because I'm an old guy and my wife... She's getting along in years, right? Guys, that was a little tip for you right there, okay? You're old. She's just getting along in years. I don't think you can do that, God. This just is not possible. And God says, I'm going to do it. And God gives Abraham and Sarah a baby. And a couple generations, they would become a great nation another promise fulfilled. God looked at Abraham, and if you know the story of Abraham in the Old Testament book of Genesis, Abraham was not a yes guy. Abraham was a guy who regularly put up stop signs before God and said, I doubt it, I don't believe it, I don't think you can do it. And God looked at Abraham in the eye and said, ready or not, here I come. I don't care whether you believe that I'm going to do this or not, I'm still going to do what I'm still going to do. And the sovereignty of God began with this promise from God to Abraham. And this is really the story of God's people throughout the entire Old Testament. They believed and then they didn't believe. And God said, I don't care if you believe or you don't believe. Ready or not, here I come. Isaac, he believed and he didn't believe. Ready or not, here I come. Jacob, ready or not, here I come. Moses said, oh, yeah, use me. Oh, don't use me. God said, ready or not, here I come. Joseph, and it went on and on. And as God's people were getting ready to go into the promised land, God used a man by the name of Joshua. And Joshua, on some days, he believed God, but other days, he wasn't so sure. And God looked at Joshua and said, as you get ready to go into the promised land, belief or unbelief, ready or not, here we go into the promised land. And as they got into the promised land, what we know of as Israel today, God established kings, first Saul, then David, and then Solomon. And if you know those stories, sometimes they were men of great faith. Most of the time, they were a lot like you and me. They were sinful, they were broken, and they were filled with doubt. And God looked at those kings and said, I don't care if you believe in me or not. Ready or not, 
here I come. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And God used the nation of Israel. And for the next 900 years, God continued to allow kings to be on the throne. And some of those kings believed. Most did not. Some obeyed God. Most did not. And for 900 years, through lots and lots of kings, and God would send prophet after prophet to call out to the people, come back, repent. God wants you to be in a relationship. Come. And sometimes the people believed. Most of the time they did not. And God looked at God's people for 900 years and said, you can believe it. You don't have to believe it. But ready or not, here I come. And then God, with the last prophet, Malachi, same message to God's people. The end of the Old Testament, as we know it, as Christ followers, repent, come back. And then God dropped the microphone and counted to 400 years. 400 years of silence. And the story picks up with a gospel writer, a guy by the name of Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke after Jesus lived, died, and rose. And Luke was kind of like a newspaper reporter. He was an investigator. He wanted to know all the details. So if you've ever read the Gospel of Luke, um, he's really paying attention to sequence and order and details of the story, story. And one of the things I think is really interesting about the Gospel of Luke is that it does not begin with Mary. It does not begin with Joseph. And it does not begin with in Bethlehem. It doesn't begin with Jesus, the story of Jesus. It begins with a guy, a priest by the name of Zechariah. Zechariah was a one of 20,000 priests working in the temple. Now, some of you work in an organization that has about 20,000 employees here in Bloomington Normal. I've heard that there's one of those here, right? That's how many employees the temple in Jerusalem had during Jesus' day. They were priests, and they were people that took care of all the details. So when you think about the temple in Jerusalem, it was a massive operation uh, for the people to come and to be in relationship with God. And Zechariah was just one priest of 20,000, just one employee. Anybody else feel like just one employee among 20,000 at your day job? That was Zechariah. And one day, Zechariah was chosen to go into the deepest part of the temple. It was known as the Holy of Holies. It's where one person was chosen by casting lots. They, they had a very uh, special system, and it was not based on merit, and, and you didn't rise through the ranks at the temple. It was just like casting dice. They called it casting lots. And you can imagine 20,000 priests every day, they would cast the lots to see who got to go into the Holy of Holies, light incense before God, and be in the very presence of God. Many priests never got that opportunity. But one day, Zechariah, he got that opportunity. The dice fell, and Zechariah was invited to go into the Holy of Holies. And while he's in there, standing in there, doing what uh, the priest did before the altar, the curtain, and all that good stuff, all of a sudden an angel shows up. And the angel looks at Zechariah and says, Zechariah, God has heard your prayers. Just freaked him out. 
absolutely freaked him out. He's like, well, what do you mean? And the angel said, I know you and your wife have been praying and praying and praying for a baby. And he said, how can this be? I'm old and my wife is getting up in years, right? They're, they were very diplomatic back then. The guys knew how to say this stuff. And the angel looked at Zechariah and said, you're going to have a baby. And Zechariah was confused. He said, I, I, I doubt it. I don't get it. Show me a sign. And this is the part in Luke that the humor comes in. Because the angel looks at Zechariah and says, okay, think about this, Zechariah. You're standing in the Holy of Holies, the most holy place in all of Jerusalem, in all of Judaism. You're looking at an angel. You're having this conversation. I'm telling you that God has heard your prayers and you still don't believe it. It's funny, right? I mean, don't you wish someone was that clear with you and you weren't sure what was going on in your life? That's how clear the angel was with Zechariah. You're going to have a baby. But because you have disbelieved, I'm taking away your speech. And Zechariah is no longer allowed to talk. So he goes out. And again, the, the humor in Luke 1 is it's just awesome. He goes out of the temple and he can't talk. And he's like... They're like, what? So he eventually writes down on a piece of paper, hey, something, I just, something really amazing, miraculous happened. And so he went home. He looked at his wife. And pretty soon, she was pregnant. And scripture tells us that they kept it a secret. And I love this story of Zechariah because long before this happened, the manger was empty. God looked at Zechariah, this priest in the temple, and said, you don't have to believe it. It doesn't really matter. Ready or not, God is coming to earth. Six months later, in a little village up in the northern region of Galilee, another angel comes to Mary. And this angel comes to Mary and says, Mary, behold, you are a favored one. And Mary, I think sometimes we give Mary too much credit. She's like, what? Why have you come to me? I, I, I'm troubled by your very presence here. In that moment, Mary had a little bit of doubt of why an angel of God would come to her. And God says, Mary, I haven't just come to you, but I've come to bring you a message that you are to bear the Son, the Messiah, the one who has come, who has been, the, God's people have been waiting for all ages, and he is going to be coming. And, and scripture tells us in Luke 1, uh, Luke tells us that Mary said, how can this be? I don't get it. Mary doubted. How can this be? Help me to understand this. And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth is going to have a child, even though she is getting along in years. And this is my favorite verse in the story of Luke 1. For the word of God will never fail. 
Amen? In that moment, God looks at Mary and says, Mary, you don't have to believe this. It does not matter. Ready or not, here I come. And then Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And it's not at that moment that Mary understood all the details of what was going to happen. But Mary understood and trusted in the God who had provided for years and years for God's people. And so at Christmas time, we are reminded that God's going to do what God's going to do. And it doesn't matter if you believe this story or not. God's still going to do what God's going to do. So why did God do this? Why did God send his son into the world? Well, fast forward about 30 years, and Jesus is uh, having a conversation with a guy by the Nicodemus. This great conversation, and Nicodemus is really trying to wrap his head around why did you come into the world? I don't get it, I don't understand it. And the gospel writer John just clarifies this so perfectly well for you, for me, for all humanity. And Jesus looks at Nicodemus and said, This is the reason why I came into the world because God so loved the world that he became his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not die, but shall have life, shall have life for all eternity. You know this verse, right? John 3, 16, it's the why. God came into the world, ready or not, here he came, because he loves you. And even if you never believe in God, he still loves you, and he's going to keep loving you until you believe in him. And if you go through your entire life and you still never believe in God, he's still going to love you because this is the sovereignty of God. He cannot stop pursuing his children. He cannot stop pursuing you. He cannot stop pursuing me. This is just who God is. He does whatever he wants, ready or not, here he comes. And so the story goes. Elizabeth and Zechariah had their baby. And onto the stage of the world history came John the Baptist. Six months later, Mary and Joseph travel to Bethlehem. And they have a baby too. And onto the stage of history, Jesus is born. And this is how it happened. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watching over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. 
and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to the God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace on earth on those whom God's favor rests. That's you. Peace to you. Peace to you. Peace to each one of you. Not because of your merit, not because of your good, not because of anything you've done, but like all of God's people, because God has shown his grace upon you. And he invites you to experience that peace. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many men and women who came long before Jesus and showed up on the scene. Some had faith more than others. Most had little faith. Most of them were just like me and everybody gathered here today, broken and sinful, in need of someone to come and rescue, to bring healing, to bring peace. God, I need peace. This world needs peace. Our community needs peace. Our families need peace. And so by your grace, have your way with us. Ready or not, you have come. Amen.